Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy to use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years. And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build a Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction. And we are on board. To learn more about how Build a Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build a Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. Are you ready to revolutionize your building projects and create a sustainable environment? Look no further than Airlight Plastic Sustainable Building Products, Fox Blocks, Insulated Concrete Forms, and True Grid Permeable Pavers. Go vertical with Fox Blocks. Foxblocks offers a design for the future, below and above grade. Any size or shape, residential or commercial, Foxblocks can handle it all. What sets Foxblocks apart is their exceptional energy efficiency and comfort. The mass concrete wall assembly minimizes heat transfer and air infiltration in all climate zones. Foxblocks also creates an incredibly quiet environment, reducing sound transmission between the outdoors and your indoor space. Just imagine enjoying a calm, safe, and comfortable setting in your own home or office. But that's not all. When it comes to weathering the storm and protecting your investment, Fox Blocks is your answer. As climate conditions become more challenging, traditional construction methods often fall short. But with Fox Blocks, you can have the peace of mind. Their still reinforced concrete buildings are proven to withstand the forces of nature like hurricanes, floods, and tornadoes. Fox Blocks provides a value add as a long term investment. Experience the operational cost savings, safety, comfort, and peace of mind that Foxblocks offers. Go horizontal with TrueGrid pavers. TrueGrid is an advanced permeable paving system allowing stormwater to naturally return to the groundwater supply while being capable of supporting extremely heavy vehicle loads. TrueGrid can reduce or completely eliminate stormwater detention ponds and other drainage systems on site, combining the required stormwater management with pavement Needs can provide significant savings for your project and site. TrueGrid's robust engineering design makes it a great alternative to traditional concrete or asphalt paving in all climates, soil types, and for any vehicle loading needs. With both FoxBlox and TrueGrid, you have the opportunity to make a positive impact on your project and the environment. Choose sustainability, durability, and innovation for your building endeavors. Visit foxblocks.com and truegridpaver.com to learn more about how Foxblocks and TrueGrid can transform your project and contribute to a greener future. We are super excited to announce that we have our fourth Contractor Coalition Summit happening in Austin, Texas this fall. Come out and visit with us on September 14th, Thursday. Conference will end on Sunday, September 17th. We're going to have an amazing collection of builders all throughout the country. Uh, some amazing vendors will be there in support. We're also going to have a session on construction instruction with Mark LaLiberté which is going to be part of the summit, just amazing content, networking, uh, ways that all of us can enhance our brand, our product, and especially our organization, looking down to the very core of who we are as builders and how we're operating to make sure that we're operating at the highest level, the camaraderie and the knowledge shared between all the builders and the teachers that come to instruct are super valuable. So make sure you sign up for the Contractor Coalition Summit. Again, whether you're a new company just starting out in your first couple of weeks of business or you're a seasoned company, there's going to be plenty of information and it's super valuable to attend. So we'll see you in Austin. We will never allow people to abuse us more than we abuse ourselves. And he's referring to the self-talk that we allow go on inside our minds. Think about it, Brad. The things that we say to ourselves. If you had a friend that was saying those same things that you tell yourself, would you even be friends with them? We wouldn't allow it. We would distance ourselves as far away as we could from that person because of their toxic negativity. Why do we allow ourselves to do it to ourselves?
So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. We have Dallin Schultz on with us. Welcome, Dallin. Hey, Brad. Appreciate being here this morning. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, super excited. This is almost like a pot swap. So Dallin is the uh, owner of Rev Equity Group, uh, former, or I, sh- I should say former, current entrepreneur, um, podcaster, all the above. Um, you know, we we met when you had me on your podcaster, on on your podcast, and um, it was tremendous having you know being a guest on yours down, and then we've connected. You know, I I know you came to one of our site walks and. Uh, just been really impressed with what you're doing, um, especially which we'll get into from the investment strategy. And I think just overall, your story is really unique. Um, you have a great background that's really re- you know, relevant to all of our listeners. So with that said, let me ask you this. What's the difference between attracting business and asking for business? Oh, man, that's a, that's a good question. Something I think all of us as business owners are, are still trying to figure out. Um, when you think of the 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 question or i guess the word attracting versus asking uh, let, let's all go back to our dating days right in, in in high school or whatever asking a girl on a date for me was was kind of terrifying it was it was scary right when you're attracting somebody though you're you're living your life you're doing things in a way where they come to you and and i would say the 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 ice is more broken if you will so when it comes to when it comes to business and what I've figured out is that first and foremost you got to figure out who you are who you are as a business owner who you are as a company and if you're putting out the the right content and the right message you are going to attract the business that you want you're going to attract the customers the clients the people that you want to work with and it becomes a lot more efficient rather than going out and asking anyone and everyone if what you have will align with them or serve them. It's interesting you say that because as you were speaking, it's funny, I've never had it um, put this way, but I completely agree with this philosophy. And and I'll apply it to social media. So one thing about social media that's a huge turnoff for me is there's certain companies or brands or whatever that's on there. And a lot of it's like, hey, call me, you know, this is what we do, call now, you know, and it's really, I I don't want to say in your face, but it's... um, essentially, you know, asking for business, which is kind of what you're mentioning, you know, especially as you relate it to like the relationship days. Whereas there are companies and brands that let the product, let the branding, you know, let their content speak for itself. So essentially they're attracting, uh, you know, people that come to their brand for a certain reason. And so they're broadcasting their messaging, whatever that may be, but it's in a way that's um, non-confrontational. It's not soliciting. And then people gravitate towards that. And, and I felt that, you know, I've tried to build my social media strategy around that, that it's like, hey, look at this detail as opposed to just call me. 100%, Brad. And I think you do a phenomenal job. I've, I've been watching some of your, your videos and the content you put out on social media because we're trying to improve our process as well. And you share the work that you do. Like some of your videos is just a, a drone shot of the beautiful homes that you're building. That's it. There's no like, hey, call me if you want a contractor. That's obvious, right? If they're already following you, if they're already watching these videos, they know what you do. Now, attracting business takes time. And I think that's why people resort to asking for business because they want that quick fix. They want that quick hit. But when you're attracting business, you're building a brand that's going to attract the right people to you. And that takes time. It takes effort. And it, and, it, and you don't always know what the effort, the things that you're doing today, you don't always know when that will pay off. And I think that's one of the challenges is being a business owner and entrepreneur is that we do things today hoping and believing that it's going to have a positive ROI. But we may not know that for a few months down the road, maybe a year down the road. So I, go ahead. Yeah, and I love that you broke it down the way. This is really important, Dallin, that you just mentioned because when you speak about the time, patience, consistency, right, ROI down the road, any investment strategy, right? If you really, you know, as as you think long term, right? If if I invest something today and I'm trying to get dividends tomorrow, it's not going to happen. But down the road, if I'm patient, if I have time, if I'm, you know, cautious and do my homework and whatever, you know, in the time being 10, 15, 20 years from now, that's going to pay off and I'm going to be in a great position. As you apply it to your marketing strategy, which you're mentioning and attracting clients, I think this is really important because so many of us, 
yes, when we start a business or we're young in our company, there is a necessity to have revenue, to have sales, to be able to just meet payroll for whatever that is. However, our marketing strategy and the content we're putting out shouldn't be based on who we are today or our brand today. It should be five years from now, 10 years where we're growing and understanding that. And, and again, this is why you're excited me a ton, Dallin, is that the reality is if you can be patient, but you're consistent in that branding and looking at who you're attracting, not today, but five years from now, eight years from now, that ideal client marketing to that ideal client and you build your strategies around that, it will pay off. And it ends up happening that that snowball just takes a while to start going down that hill. But once it gets momentum, you know, then, you know, you have no idea that ripple effect that that'll be caused. And that's the challenge, Brad, because you have to, what you just said, you have to be today who you envision yourself and want to be five years from now. And, and I've noticed with, with myself and even with a lot of business owners I connect with, there's a, a, a lot of that imposter syndrome creeps in. A lot of people ask themselves, like, who am I to serve that level of client? Who am I to, to be able to provide an opportunity, a win-win situation for that person? And that's just our own limiting beliefs that we have to get past because your background is irrelevant when you have what somebody needs. It, it, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Now, we all know this as business owners, you can't do it on your own. One of one of the the comments, one of the the taglines, self-imposed egoic comments that I can't stand that I hear quite often is people claiming that they're a self-made millionaire. I freaking hate that, Brad, because you and I know this. Like we have teams built around us. There is absolutely no way somebody could be a self-made millionaire because they did not do it on their own. There was always other people involved in that process. And so being, being today who you, being today who you want to be or need to be five years from now, that's the challenge. And, but it helps you identify what efforts, what things you need to be doing today to be successful five years from now. And that is when you start attracting the type of people that you want to be working with. So let me ask you this down. It, it's interesting you said this because with the imposter, the self-made millionaire, I think that's really important information because so many of us have heard that, you know, self-made. And I think it's completely impossible to be self-made, especially as I look at my company, what it takes to run an operation in construction and not just internally, not just here, AFT, the team members we have at AFT, but I look at suppliers, trade partners, vendors, you know, the collective design, architecture, engineering. I mean, there's so many pieces that go into building a home or a project. It would be impossible for, for me to do it by myself, right? In any capacity. And when, when you fail to give credit, I think that's also a reflection on poor leadership too, is that you have to recognize the talent and people around you that are allowing you to grow or get to that position that you're speaking of Dallin. Yeah. It, it, I'll come straight out and say it, it comes from the ego. When, when you're, when you're claiming that you're a self-made millionaire, it's an egoic comment. And, uh, and what I like to tell people all the time is your ego is not your amigo. There's no, there's no place for it in business. If you want to be a truly successful business owner and have a large impact on the people that you're so, serving. Right. So let me, let me ask your advice on this. Cause you mentioned the imposter syndrome. I, th I think there's some validity there because a lot of us don't understand the value, especially if you're in a fee industry, you know, what you should be charging, you know, are we qualified for this project that may come across our plate? We want it, but you know, again, we don't want to brand or market something that maybe we're not, or we don't have the capacity to, to hit. How do you balance and how have you done this, Dallin? Because I know we'll get into kind of your career change here that you went from one profession to another. And I would imagine at some point in your journey, not that you're an imposter, but there maybe was a time thinking, could I do this? Am I ready for this? And there's a lot, you only know what you don't know, or you only know what you know, like you don't know what you don't know, as they say. And so how do you, what, what advice would you give to someone that may be battling with imposter syndrome, but still trying to market to where they're going as opposed to where they are today? It's a hundred percent mindset. It, I mean, the, the only limiting beliefs we put on ourselves come from us. So who's telling you, who's telling you that you can't do this or you can't be that person. And if we really take a minute and think about that and, and, and in silence, meditate, think on it, you'll likely realize 
that nobody has said that to you. Maybe, maybe you might have a, a close friend or family member that made a comment one time in the past relating to a big change you're making in life. And, and maybe you're internalizing that and transitioning it over to this new venture. But when you sit there and think about it, you'll realize that it's probably yourself telling you this and you're afraid of what other people might say or do. And you've just got to push through that. You've just got to push through it. Let yourself know that you are qualified, that you are worthy of it and just keep moving and then prove yourself wrong. That's listen, when I wake up, Brad, every morning and, and, and figure out what I need to do for my business, it's, it's proven to myself that I'm proving myself wrong, that I can do things that I can push to that next level. And it, it's just one of those uh, things that, that you have to work through as a business owner is, is pushing through. And then you'll start realizing you'll get feedback from people that you're serving and you'll see that you are making an impact. And then little by little, that, that feeling of imposter syndrome, in my experience, goes away. Now, it still tries to creep in every once in a while, especially when you're getting out of your comfort zone or trying to take your business to that next level. But you kind of get used to that feeling. And at this point, you, you become better at pushing it aside and just keep taking those steps forward. You, you mentioned something earlier, being uh, patient and consistent. And it's funny you brought that up because what I tell myself all the time is be patient and persistent. And I feel like if you're doing those two things, you'll be able to push through any limiting belief, any imposter syndrome that comes your way. You just got to keep moving forward. Well, it's funny you say the the persistent and patience. Um, I, I know you mentioned before we got on the podcast, like behind me, for those that watch on the video side, you know, I have some sports memorabilia and stuff behind me. So I'm, I'm a big sports fan, you know, I'm listen to sports podcast and you know, my, my wife and daughters know how, how obsessed I'm with sports. It's just a big part, but of, of my life and extracurricular, but I think there's just a lot of similarity. I've had, you know, former athletes on the podcast. And what's interesting is that, um, I think a lot of us, uh, growing up and, and this is something I, I think it's, I don't want to say a secret, but I think it's a resource that I wish I knew as, as a young kid is at least for me growing up, you know, you would see other people that, oh, that person's smarter than me. That person's more athletic than me. And so you almost, as you mentioned earlier on, Dallin, that we almost put these um, these ceilings, right, on our capacity, whatever they may be, whether it be uh, from education or athletics, uh, business. And because we may see someone else and they kind of, um, we feel inferior to some extent without realizing that what really takes athletes to the next level um, is what you're saying is the persistency you know, being persistent, being consistent, right? It's it's the patience. We're not seeing that some of these athletes, yeah, some of them have gifts, there's no doubt, but a lot of them have worked. They weren't going to parties, you know. They were, you know, at the gym and they're watching game tape and game film. And so there's just those analogies that you're like, I mean, Tom Brady's a great example. Tom Brady, you know, barely drafted in the NFL and becomes probably the greatest quarterback of all time, right? And it's because of dedication, to his craft. And so many of us miss that, that there's a lot of potential all of us have. And as you mentioned, it's just, we, we limit ourselves without understanding the the work that can be put in to, to achieve what we want. And, and it's going to happen. A lot of us have gone through crap growing up. Maybe we grew up in a rough home. Maybe we had, I don't know what the case is, right? But we as humans have limiting beliefs that that's part of us. That's part of our, our DNA. And that's why I've, I've, become so passionate, not just about business, but entrepreneurship, because it forces you to really internalize who you are and you become more self-aware than you ever have before. When I was working a W-2 job, I showed up. I showed up to work. I knew what I had to do. I had a checklist of everything I had to do. I went in, clocked in, clocked out and went home. When you start getting into business on your own and, and maybe your business is, is professional sports, right? It's the same foundation. You've got to, I mean, the biggest battle is with yourself. The biggest battle is with yourself and trying to overcome those limiting beliefs. And day by day, it doesn't seem like there's much change. But to anyone listening to this that's in this journey already, look back. Look back six months. Look back 12 months. Look back two years and see who you've become. 
But as business owners, as entrepreneurs, I found that we're very forward thinking. We get excited about what can be and what's coming down the path. And that's what pushes us. That's what gives us the vision. And we don't look back enough and appreciate how far we've come. So you've, you've got to find a little bit of that balance. And maybe it's not even balance, right? I think it's important to keep that vision forward, but recognize who you've become along the journey. The the retrospective outlook is really important, Alan. I, I had Mark Candelaria, who's an architect here, on very early on when I started the podcast, you know, three and a half years ago. And, you know, he said something. He said, you know, Brad, um, the public, most people, they don't focus on your failures, right? They focus on your successes. And I thought that was interesting because he said us as individuals focus on our failures. And you think anyone that's maybe had a setback in business or personal relationships or life experience, whatever it may be, a lot of us are pretty hard on ourselves. Whereas a lot of the public, and as you mentioned, as you've social media is a good example, as you're building a company or platform, a lot of your followers may not even know of the failures that you've had or the mishaps or the mistakes you made in your business. They're kind of looking at it in, in a different angle. And he said, so many of us set ourselves back because we're focused on the mistakes as opposed to utilizing those for growth, but focus on the successes we've had. And I don't know what it is about just human mentality that, um, and, and the reason I bring it up again, the sports analogy golf, it's funny because there's like a golf psychiatrist and he says with golf, he says, if you go to any standard player, like you and I, Dallin, that are out playing on the weekend, you know, we go golf and we're like, oh man, I missed that three foot putt. You know, I, I could have had a birdie or an ego and I missed it. Or, you know, I would have had a good score, but I, you know, shanked my, you know, my drive. It went right into the houses, right off the tee box. He said the professionals, they don't think about that. They're thinking about, I can't believe I knocked down that 35 foot putt, right? I can't believe I chipped it and went up and down. And I can't believe I hit that driveway or hit the drive exactly where I need to in the fairway. They don't think about any negative in the round. They think about the 15, 16, 17 positive things that happened, not the three or four things they missed. They may work on those. And I thought that's really interesting because when I play golf, I don't, I'm always thinking about the ones that I messed up out there and that I left on the field per se. There's a, a really good book out there. Dan Sullivan wrote um, the, the gap in the gain. And the whole book is focused on this and, and trying to retrain your brain to look at the gain, to look forward. When you're focused on the gap, that's what you haven't achieved yet. And that's where a lot of us fall. Why do you think these athletes become professional athletes? There are people out there that are probably as physically fit as most of these people probably maybe maybe some of them are more physically fit than some of these athletes it's not a physical game it's absolutely a, a, a mind game and business is no different and and if people say you don't need to be physically fit in business I, I mean we've seen that we've seen very successful business owners that obviously aren't physically fit but for me they go hand in hand because if you're crushing it in your personal physical life you're going to the gym you're eating healthy that's just going to spew over into your business and that's just going to create this compounding effect so there's a quote i've heard before by this psychologist and he says we will never allow people to abuse us more than we abuse ourselves and he's referring to the self-talk that we allow go on inside our minds. Think about it, Brad. The things that we say to ourselves, if you had a friend that was saying those same things that you tell yourself, would you even be friends with them? We wouldn't, we wouldn't allow it. We would distance ourselves as far away as we could from that person because of their toxic negativity. Why do we allow us, why do we allow ourselves to do it to ourselves. And here's the thing, you can't, I mean, your mind's your mind. It's with you. You can't distance yourself, but you can reprogram it. You can retrain it. And there's physical evidence of that being done. Physical evidence, people, scientists have gone and done MRIs of the brain with people that are focused on negative self-talk and positive self-talk. And the brain literally creates new neuron pathways based on different parts of the brain, based on how these people are talking to themselves. It's fascinating stuff. There's a book on it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's a mind game. It's a mind game. So wake up every morning, focus on the good affirmations. I always used to think of a hokey pokey. I try to do them every single day. I do, you know, it's just a, a way to, to kind of 
kick the day off right, listen to, to positive, uplifting podcasts, listening to other people in business. And uh, you just got to keep pushing. Challenges are going to happen, but you just got to keep pushing. Yeah, I love that you share that. Well, it's interesting, Dal, and I think this is really relevant to you because you mentioned just not too long ago about the W-2. And entrepreneurship to me is, um, it, it's interesting when you compare it to like a W-2 lifestyle. I'm, I'm sure even when you went out on your own, I would imagine you didn't anticipate as, as well, I didn't because I was W-2 before now, entrepreneur, right? Um, there's a lot thrown at you. You know, your mood changes all throughout the day. Um, the ups and downs change throughout the day. Uh, it's definitely, um, there's a lot of value to surrounding yourself with like-minded people, right? With positive people, with other entrepreneurs to understand how to get through some of those ups and downs and just understand how to run a business and create company culture and, and hire and train and all these things that go into running any company. Your story again, and it's funny cause we, we were talking about the imposter syndrome, but you go from. Give us your background from what you were doing W-2 and how that changed to where you are now. Yeah, so I was actually in the medical field, not even anything close to what I'm doing today because now we run a private equity firm focused on purchasing large apartments and we work with private investors uh, to, to work on these deals. But when I was in the medical field, I, I always wanted to specialize in the medical field. I, I, got, I got my bachelor's in nursing. I wanted to become a nurse anesthetist, make a few hundred thousand a year, and then get into real estate. That was, that was my vision. That was my plan. And early on into that career, I, I broke my leg playing soccer. And my wife, two kids at home, were depending on me to bring home the bacon, to bring home money. And when I broke my leg, I was working in the emergency room at the time. You can't be, you can't work in an emergency room with a fractured leg. If there's traumas, if there's codes and you're running and you got to move and you're doing seat, you can't do that with a broken leg. So what I thought was a safe, secure job, I realized wasn't. I mean, a big reason I got into the medical field was for that safety and security. And I'm sure there's a lot of, I mean, I know this doesn't only apply to me. People will go work for large corporations because there's safety and security there and there's benefits and all this stuff just to get laid off with like no notice at all. Right. So we live in this. We want to tell ourselves that there's safety and security in different things we do. Now, I want to say there's safety and security in what I do now. The difference is, is that I have control of it. I have control of it now where I didn't when I was working for someone else. So after breaking my leg, I realized this, if something was to happen like this again, I don't want to put myself or my family through that financial hardship or that stress. And so that's what leveraged me and, and I guess launched me into real estate investing. And our first few purchases were just a couple small fourplexes that we were able to take down on our own and, and with an investor. But that's, what, that's where my mind was going because I didn't want to go through what I had just gone through again. If somebody's lost a job, if they've gotten injured like I did, and you're trying to figure out how to make financial ends meet, that is extremely stressful. So it still took about a year and a half for me to transition out of the medical field, even though I started real estate. And when I did that first six months, Brad, I got blindsided. I got blindsided because I no longer, I, I had this idea that once I left the medical field and became my own boss, it was pretty much halfway to retirement. That, that, that's what I tricked myself into believing. Boy, was I wrong. That first six months, I got freaking blindsided by how much personal work I realized I needed. That that personal growth, that personal development, nobody was telling me what to do anymore. I had to figure out and prioritize what I thought was the next best move for me in the business. And that, that took an emotional toll. So that first six months, I really worked on myself. I got engrossed into just personal growth books and, and connecting with different masterminds and networks to get my mind right and figure out what I needed to do to make that next best move. 
This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. You mentioned that you got in some mastermind groups. What specifically, when you think about just some personal work, as you became an entrepreneur, what was that? Uh, if you don't mind sharing, just maybe on a personal level, maybe where you realize that, hey, there's some growth potential here. There's some things I need to work on. You know, what are some of those areas that you ended up focusing on? Thinking bigger was was a big one. Um, I, I started with these fourplexes because that's what I believed I could do. And when I realized that there was larger opportunities out there through private equity funds, syndications to get into these multi-million dollar apartment buildings, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know you could do that until I went to some of these conferences and masterminds and I saw other people doing it. And when I saw other people doing it, I, I, I very specifically remember my, telling myself that first conference I went to, I was like, if that person can do it, I know I can do it. I know I could do it. And, and here's the thing. I was probably kind of shallow because I didn't know anything about that person. But I just, once I knew it was a reality and I could see other people doing it, something clicked inside of me, something resonated. And it's like, Hey, if they can do it, you can do it. So I think for me, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. And if you want to go big on whatever it is that you're doing, it doesn't matter what business you're in, find people already doing it. Find people already doing it and just ask around, reach out to your, to your network and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Do you happen to know anyone in this space that you might be able to introduce me to? And one of the benefits you and I have, Brad, for having a podcast is we interview a lot of different business owners and a lot of different people in this entrepreneurship journey. So people like us can be a good resource for those looking to get connected. So yeah, for me, it was just thinking bigger because you don't know what you don't know. And again, that was a self-limiting belief. Once I knew I could go bigger, I started planning to go bigger. Well, I know you've been really big on the relationship aspect, um, you know, building meaningful relationships. I know this is something you actually speak about. How, how do you do that and come across genuine, you know, authentic as you're meeting people? And you mentioned just surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals and business mentors and attend these conferences. How have you developed those? I know you have a podcast, which you touched on. Dallin as well about the benefit that you're bringing on guests and now you have an hour with them conversing. And so there's a relationship inherently built through that. You know, how, how have you built many meaningful relationships in your life and profession? Um, that's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say at all that I'm, I'm an extroverted person. I like to consider myself, a what do they say? An extroverted introvert. Like I, I like people, but it takes me time to really warm up and, and kind of break the ice and get things moving. Um, and, and I remember this throughout my whole life. I, I was always, I guess you could say a little bit more on the shy side. Like I, I didn't, I, it was, it was hard. It was uncomfortable for me to get out of my comfort zone, to break the ice and initiate a conversation. And I know most of your listeners are probably listening to this. For those that are watching it, 
I've got this goofy handlebar mustache. I've had it for about a year now. <laughs> and and I'm telling you, like it started as a joke, but I realized it's become a really good icebreaker. And not only a good icebreaker, but people remember it. They remember my face and they associate it with what my company does. So it's kind of become It's totally true, by the way. <laughs> it's uh it's it's become part of my brand that I wasn't anticipating. But anyways, your question was how do I connect with these people? The hardest thing for me is breaking the ice. Once people start talking to me, I think it's just who I am. Like I just, I, I'm not an actor. I can't act. I can't lie. Like I start flubbering and over my words and stuff. So I think after a few minutes of people just connecting with me, they just realize that I'm I'm a good dude trying to help them out. And and I really do. I prefer the the deeper relationship, if you will, rather than a bunch of superficial relationships. So even though it might take me a little bit more time to connect with people, once I do, there's a level of trust and respect there. And and I don't, Brad, I don't know what it is. I mean, people have said, I've talked to them for five or 10 minutes and they're like, down, there's, there's something about you. I just, you seem like a trustworthy guy. I don't know what it is. I, it's just nothing more than my personality, if you will. But if there is one thing that I have definitely improved on that I think that's really helped these relationships is learning to ask more questions about that person, getting to know them as an individual individual and as a business owner. And we, we have a tendency, especially if we're in an uncomfortable situation or we don't like networking, sometimes our, our nerves get the best of us and we just talk. We don't like silence. We talk, we don't know what to say. And we don't give the person that we're conversing to an opportunity to talk and to share their thoughts. So knowing that I was more of, I would say more of an introverted person and I didn't like breaking the ice, that actually worked in my favor. Because once I realized all I've got to do is ask some good questions, ask a couple of good questions and get that person talking, now the ice was broken. And it really helped create and create that bond and, and strengthen it as well. And just do do what you say you're going to do and, and be who you are. Like there's there's no room in business or life to to be someone you're not. Like it, it, there's we all probably know a bunch of shysters out there that have done bad business deals that have stolen money from investors. Like that's they're out there. It's unfortunate, and then it makes it difficult for people like you and I, Brad to overcome some of those objections and concerns with these people that have previously gotten burned by these business owners. But I think it's just being yourself, getting to know them, getting to know their needs and being patient and persistent or consistent. Cause when people see that, Hey, Brad's the same on his podcast as he is on social media, as he is in person when I met him and you're not these three different people, that instills a level of trust and confidence. And that takes time. So being consistent as a person, I think is huge to building relationships as well. That that advice is completely sound and completely spot on. I would totally agree, Dallin, that I think all of us have been in the position where um, we viewed someone from afar, uh, whether we followed them or knew them through social media or whatever uh, avenue it's been. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, they're kind of different than what I pictured, right? And, and so if you are the same person that you're portraying yourself, I think there's tremendous value in the authenticity there and, you know, and just the confidence you're building in those around you. But you touched on something that I think is super valuable because as we're talking about relationships, I, I think any of us can imagine, any of us have been to a networking event and it's really hard to go to those sometimes, especially if you don't know anyone, say you're walking into a room by yourself, there's a lot of people there, you know, people that you've never met, don't know, it's really hard to go up and just start talking to random people that they may be having conversations and you just stand there and look awkward, you interrupt them. I think all of us have been in that scenario at some point. But what's interesting, and this isn't always the case, but from your point, Dallin, you said questions. What kind of questions can you ask? Can you go in? And I think that's really valuable, an icebreaker, a question, and even a step further, if you're going to an event where you know certain people may attend do some research, understand what they're doing. I, I've, you know, I've, I've been there and I've witnessed this firsthand where someone will go up to, and, and I'll just use a construction networking event as an example. 
someone will go up to an architect and be like, hey, I love your work. I've seen this project. I'm a huge fan. You know, I'm so-and-so. And right away, like if you go up and compliment someone that you've actually know who they are, have done some research, right away, they're going to make eye contact and be like, thank you. You know, and then they'll ask you, what's your name? What do you do? Immediately broken, right? And so the preparation aspect and just find an icebreaker, find a question there, it definitely alleviates maybe some of the fear a lot of us have going into those scenarios where, you know, they can be uncomfortable. And my, my challenge to those going to these networking events, find the person running the event and talk to them first. Cause it's a lot of us are, can, can feel a little overwhelmed or intimidated by approaching the host, but obviously you heard about the event from someone you're aware of who the host might be, you know, the topic there. So I like what you said, Brad is do some research. Your very first contact, go up and introduce yourself to the host of the event. Maybe it's a large conference with 500 people there. It doesn't matter. Go up express your appreciation for them putting an event like this together and then compliment it on something that they've done. And if that's your very first contact is the organizer of the event, you're going to get a boost of confidence and every other contact that you make after that is going to come a lot easier. Now, a couple things here. One of my favorite, one of my favorite icebreakers, and, and this is actually my first time ever sharing this publicly. And I probably need to do it more because it's so simple, but it works. I do this on podcasts. I do it on phone calls. I do it in person. So Brad, is your full name Brad or is it short? for? Uh, it's Bradley. It's Bradley. Bradley. Okay. So you're going to go to these networking events and what do we all have slapped on our chest? Or around yeah, our, our name tag. Our, our, our name, name tag, right. Yeah. So let's assume I walk into the room. I see you. Your name tag says Bradley. We're all there for similar reasons. Let's assume it's a construction event. Okay. You're a contractor. I'm a... Electrician. Designer, architect, whatever. designer, architect, yeah. whatever. Okay. We're all there for similar reasons. So don't just go right up, just go right up. And, and what I like to do. So I see your name tag, Bradley, Dallin Schultz here. Nice to meet you. Dallin. Nice to meet you. Do you, do you go by Brad or Bradley? That would be my follow-up question. Brad, do you go oh, by Brad so you're asking Bradley? me, I just thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's Brad. So of course, right away, it's going to say Bradley. I'll say, yeah, I go by Brad. Go by Brad. Okay. And if that's, if that's the case, great. You move forward with that. What are you hoping to get from this event? Now, what I hear probably more than 50% of the time is it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Say you run into a Christopher. Do you go by Chris or do you go by Christopher? It doesn't matter. What are you most comfortable with? This, these are my key next few words. What do your friends call you? <laughs> what do your friends call you? And now how are they going to respond? They're going to tell you, oh, my friends call me Brad. Oh, nice to meet you, Brad. What are you hoping to get from this event? What did I do just with that one simple follow-up question there? Yeah, and personally, as you say that, I, I love that. It's funny because I, I had um, you know, a guest on not too long ago. And, and when we were talking about the power of listening, right, it all comes down to that, that you know, Oscar Trimboli, and he's like, hey, to start a meeting, ask them, what's your goal for this meeting, right? And you'll see their tone totally change. What's interesting about going to someone saying, what's your goal for this event? It's going to put them not on edge, but essentially they may share something of value. That's what I'm hoping to gain. And maybe you're there trying to gain the same thing. Exactly. Now I go up and ask, ask you, Brad, what are you hoping to get from this event? And you respond, oh, I'm, I'm a contractor. I do luxury homes and just looking to connect with more architects and designers that can help me with some of these unique projects. And right away, I'm like, oh, well, Brad, I, I'm actually an architect and designer. I'd love to see a little bit more of your portfolio. Do you happen to have an Instagram or something? Do you, do you have something you could show me that you're currently working on? And what are you going to do? You're going to pull out your phone and be like, oh, yeah, check this out. Look at all these things I'm working on. So trying to extract that information right off the bat is essential. I Stop beating around the bush. We, we try to... I mean, one of the best ways to, to break the ice and really connect with people is to get them talking about themselves and things that they're really passionate about. If you go up and start asking about how long it took them to get there, where are they visiting from, how's the weather and all this. Oh, listen, we don't have time for that. Networking events, especially you're trying to connect with as many people as you can in a short 
period of time. So get straight to the point. We're all business owners. We appreciate it, you know, and, and you could build, you could build um, rapport through asking intentional questions. I love that you said that. And what's interesting is rewinding this back a little bit. You mentioned find the host. I found that so many times the host too, I, ideally they know you right down because they've invited you or they've organized it. So they have some understanding of the guests that are attending. So they may even grab you and say, Dallin, there's someone you need to meet. I need to introduce you to so-and-so. They're kind of aligned, you know, business, entrepreneurship uh, goals that you have. And so I was just at an event last night and, you know, of course the host, you know, my wife and I went and the host grabbed us and right away introduced us to, you know, a couple of people they want us to meet. So right away you're walking into an event with hundreds of people and you're immediately engaged, right, in the networking event. And then from there, it just, you know, again, it snowballs from there. And if if the host doesn't introduce you to someone, ask them. Say, Brad, I appreciate, Brad I appreciate you putting on this event. You know a little bit about me. If not, share with them a little bit about what you do. Brad, who else do you know here that I should probably know that you can introduce me to? It's a great allow, question. Allow the host to do that for you. They're they're hosting the event because they probably enjoy connecting people. So any networking event you go to, the host, the organizer should be the very first person you connect with. Now you've done ex- an excellent job with this, Dallin. As you look about, okay, you've been to these events, you meet people, you've had them on the podcast. So you know, at some point, you're getting to the core of some sort of. Um, engagement relationship where now, you know, you can build on that. There's, you know, the seed's been planted and now where do we go from there? How do you form those into collaborations and opportunities? What's been your success, especially because as this relates to you with Rev Equity, Equity Group, going back to the trust factor, you're putting together funds now for people to invest. So this is not just, hey, let's meet for dinner. This is, hey, we're going to invest your dollars so this is a whole different level, advanced level, you know, of taking that relationship well beyond to now personal finances. So how, how, do we, how do we take that introduction to somebody that we work with? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's essentially turning these introductions and relationships and podcast guests to now these are collaborations, right? These are business opportunities. So you're essentially building a trust to get to that next level. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, any business that you're in, you've just got to acknowledge that not everyone you talk to, probably 80, 90% of the people you talk to probably won't do business with you. And and you can't take that personally. You can't take that personally. It's just what you have and what they need is not aligned. And that's okay. So number one, you've got to find a way to get in front of people that you could serve that you could work with and we we already talked about being consistent on all the platforms we just launched our fund last week let's see we're, we're recording this it's june 1st today we just launched our fund last week it took us nine months to get to that point because as we were getting ready for this we as a team went back and said okay these are the types of people that we're going to be working with what will they need to see in us to feel comfortable moving forward? So for the last nine months, we started putting out a ton of educational content. Every single week, we do a free webinar where people could come on and we literally pull the curtain back on everything we do as a company. And we say, this is how we vet operators. This is how we vet markets. This is how we vet deals. If you're looking to invest in apartments, these are the questions you want to ask. These are th- the things you want to look at. This is how you read uh, the legal docs, and we'll bring on attorneys, we'll bring on CPAs. This is how you can maximize your tax benefits. So we've we put together this this educational program, if you were, will, where people could come on and get to know us as business professionals and better understand how we run our company, how we run our business. Because, listen, Brad, I, full transparency. Most of the people that we're talking to, I mean, we'll, we'll take investors and most opportunities around $50,000, $100,000. Most of the investors we're currently talking to now are investing a few hundred thousand dollars. So when you're dealing with that type of person, there's a level of trust and confidence that they need to have in you. And it's, it's listen, it's more than just, we've all heard this. You, people work with those that they know, like, and trust. 
I get that. What's more important for me is not to be liked, but to be respected. Now, I hope through that relationship and as they learn to respect me that they'll also like me as an individual. But at the end of the day, my business is to help them grow and preserve their wealth. So they don't have to like me, but if they know what we do, how we do it, and they have respect for how we do it, then we'll likely do do business together. But again, it takes time. So as I connect with these people, a lot of it is asking them questions, getting to know them, getting to know their needs. People may not want to invest in real estate at all, and that's okay. And it's not my job to try to convince them. It's my job to let them know what I do and provide some education. And if there is some interest there, then we just dig a little bit deeper. They come in, they see what we're doing as a team. They look at some of our past projects and it helps get to that point to where they're comfortable working with us. Now, everybody's a little bit different. I had one conversation with somebody that came in by a referral. Within 10 minutes, they were investing $350,000. 10 minutes. Probably the easiest, probably the easiest amount of money that I've ever had a that I raised for an opportunity like this. Now, other people, you might be talking and building that relationship for six months before they're comfortable investing fifty thousand dollars. So it's important for us. We have our systems, we have our processes, but every investor is different. And especially when you're start when you're when you're dealing with finances and you're dealing with money, you've got to identify what's important for that person and and nurture them regardless of of how much they put in. We treat our fifty thousand dollar investors the same way we treat the half a million dollar investors in regards to the the time and the education that they need to get comfortable working with us. But there's no easy answer to it right? You, you you get your foot in the door, you connect with them, you find out if it's something that they're looking for. And then if there's opportunity there, you, you help them see how a relationship, a business relationship could be mutually beneficial. A business sure. relationship should never be one-sided. It, it's interesting because I think there's two parts to the value that you just provided and really it's providing value. So you mentioned education. You're giving out tons of free content, free education. So two things are happening. One, by you doing that, you're educating the consumer or potential investor or potential partner. So a lot of people may not know where to start or how to invest or you know how these funds work. And so by you educating them on you know multifamily or apartment investing, um, one, they're like, oh, you know, this would be a great opportunity for me. So, so the, you're providing value for them and educate them on what the product is. Second thing is um, you're building trust, right? If you're going to give out that content for free, they look at you as an expert. So you're essentially a thought leader and expert to them in this field, which is going to give them a lot more confidence. And so I've seen that by doing that, you know, there's a lot of people that push back that like, why do you put all your content out there? You know, why are you sharing all this information? And yes, do you have competitors that may be watching? That's okay. It doesn't matter. The reality is, you know, they're not you, right? They're not trying to be at your level. And maybe they are, but they're not you, Dallin. That's the thing. You have a unique brand and unique personality. So you can build on that. But essentially, you're building this, call it, um, you know, these uh, a community of people that believe in you and the brand. And by doing that, that does excel your brand to the next level. That now you can capitalize on the education you've given out there because now you're bringing in people that are prepared they understand the process. They understand the goal, right? The terms, whatever they may be. I look at this as for construction. The more that I can educate the public about what it takes to build a project, well, they're going to kind of be a lot more educated and prepared. So when we have these conversations, it's a lot easier for me to set expectations. Brad, I know you get this all the time as a contractor. My brother-in-law was a contractor. When you deal with remodels, when you deal with with building homes, the, the, the general consumer or purchaser does not understand everything that goes into that process. So when they see your, your GC fee or how much more these things are, they one, they're like, Hey, actually we don't need you. We're just going to do it ourselves. And at that point you're probably like, Hey, go for it, go for it. Cause I, <laughs> I know how much work it is. And, and if that's the route you want to go, absolutely go for it. That the point I'm making is <sighs> 
people don't realize how much work goes into the professions of businesses that we dedicate our lives to. And real estate investing is no different. And I can't tell you how many times people just jump into a single family home, jump into an investment because a friend presented it to them and they didn't even know how to do their effective due diligence. And then they got burned and it shut them off to real estate investing altogether. We do not want that to happen. There is risk in any type of investment, any type of business that you do. So what we've done is we pull the curtain back and we educate our network on the things that we do. And it's, listen, the stuff that we share, you could go on Google and find it, right? It's not a secret. We it just, people don't know where to look. And that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to change, let them know, hey, this is an option and this is how you could do it. And what happens is people realize, oh, wow, that's a, oof, that's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. And I love what I'm doing. So now that I know how Dallin and his team does it, and it's just as good, if not better, than the way I would do it, I'm just going to work with them. I'm just going to work with them. So it's not a matter of us knowing more than somebody else. We want them to know everything we do. And the determining factor of really why people decide to work with us, it comes down to time. I mean, isn't that why we're all in business? Isn't that why we're all trying to financially make it? It's because we want more time. We want more freedom. So that's really what we do is we cut that learning curve down. So it's almost non-existent at all. And our whole process is to make apartment investing easy for those who ever decide to work with us. So with that, with the apartment investing, and let's talk about that because, you know, for sake of time, but for the, you know, there's a difference of a limited partner, general partner, you know, these funds, what does it entail to put a fund together? What, you know, are the investors expecting, you know, from their investment or how much do any of them want to be involved? So when, when limited partners or passive investors come in to, I guess to back up and clarify real quick, when we work with investors, it's not a loan. It's not a loan. The investors actually come in and buy ownership into the business that we've created. They buy ownership. They are equity partners. So they share in the profit and the loss. Now, somebody's like, why would you want to share in the loss? There's this beautiful word out there called depreciation when it comes to real estate investing. And depreciation is a paper loss that is allocated to you as a property owner for the natural wear and tear of the property. The IRS entitles you to, to, to take this. So depreciation has massive tax benefits for people. And a lot of people don't know this. They'll, they'll look at a, a real estate deal and say, hey, I could get 12% in that real estate deal or I'll get 12% in the stock market. I'll just do 12% in the stock market. Okay. But when you factor in the tax benefits that could apply to you, you may not be paying any tax or very little tax on that income that's generated from that passive investment in real estate. So I wanted to just share that and help the listener understand that in, typically in these type deals, you're buying membership units into the LLC. Now, with that being said, you are a passive member. So when it comes to making decisions on how the business plan should be operated, there's no say there. And that's a conversation we have with people in the very beginning. And that's why some people don't align with what we do. And that's okay. Some people want to be much more involved. They want to say, Hey, no, I want to be a 50, 50 partner. You bring the money. I bring the construction experience. Let's do this together. And we've done that. We've done that in the past, but with these funds and syndications, the way they're structured is that the investors are truly putting their trust in the team in the operator and treating it as a passive investment. Because what we found is a lot of people will get into real estate for that passive income. It's kind of one of those hot buzzwords, passive income. They get into real estate and realize it is way more active than they were anticipating because now they're doing the property management. Now they're doing the maintenance because there's not enough income to source that out. And so we, our goal with what we do is to keep passive income passive. And that's why we work with busy professionals that do very, very good at what they do but they believe in real estate. And so they partner with us. I love what I do. I would not, when I'm ready to build my 
luxury home, my 20,000 square foot home, Brad, I'm coming to you. <laughs> I am not, I am not going to try to take that on myself because it's not my specialty. And I understand that as a business owner. It's interesting, but that's why you surround yourself with great minded professionals, right? And that have specialties in their field. I love that you broke this down because what most people don't realize is, yeah, you may have a silent partner. We'll call it someone who's, you know, funding, you know, but the benefits are huge. As you mentioned, depreciation, this is why it's really important to align yourself with people to understand tax code and benefits of, of investing because there's a lot of benefits outside of that. And again, you're going to rely on the experts such as yourself down to put this together, put this fund together and then operate from there. And here's the deal, Brad, my goal, I do this actively. I do this full time for people because I, I love real estate. It made sense to me. People naturally started coming to us looking for opportunities to get involved. So this was just the vehicle that we've put together. My goal is to be 100% passive. That's my goal. But since I'm good at what I do and since I enjoy what I do, now's the time to build. Now's the time to build and to help others along that journey. But for those that are like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to be passive. They obviously have different goals because that is my goal is to 100% be passive. Now, 5, 10, 15 years from now, I just want somebody. I'm going to find somebody 10, 15 years from now, Brad, that's my age now that I see myself in. That's starting their journey. That's doing funds. That's doing the same thing. And that's who I'm going to instill and trust with my capital. So being passive is not a bad thing, but it's not a, it's not what everybody's investment goals are. And I think that's important to, to understand as an investor is figure out what it is that you want. I, I love that you broke it down that way because just without spending a ton of time getting into the complexity, but you mentioned, you know, from rent rolls and property management and, you know, buildings that need, you know, the normal wear and tear and collecting rent. And then, you know, you have occupancy issues if someone moves out and find a new tenant. I mean, there's a lot of things that come in and whether that's at the commercial level, you know, looking at the cap rate and, or you're looking at even the apartment or multifamily level leasing agents and making sure that you have certain occupancy, you know, and maintenance. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that people don't realize that, you know, to your point, passive doesn't mean a bad thing. Uh, it just is respective to, you know, the context of the investment. And that's why literally everything we do, Brad, we educate on apartments. We let people know it's a, a thing and an option. But I'd say 80, 90% of what we do is getting people to believe in us and me as a team because that's really who they're investing with. And the, the apartments is just the vehicle. And so we get to know what their why is for investing. They understand what our why is as investing as a team. And we partner up using the, again, the apartments is just the vehicle that helps both of us accomplish that together. So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? This, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I am very, very active. Uh, I, I love getting outside, uh, exercising. I played soccer. I mentioned I broke my leg playing soccer. So I try to get out and do that. Um, pretty much anything athletic wise. Uh, I, I'm big into off-roading. I've got a dirt bike, had a side-by-side -side for a couple of years, grew up on quads. I like getting outdoors up in the mountains, hiking. We'll kayak the Salt River here in Phoenix quite often, especially in the summertime. Um, I got to be moving. At the end of the day, I got to be moving. And it, and it drives my wife nuts because she's very much like, hey, let's sit down. Let's hang out. Let's chill. And I'm like, no, we got to be doing something. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I do and I need it. I mean, it doesn't matter what business you're in. You need to find some sort of a, an outlet. And for me, I've often found that through various types of physical activity. And I love traveling. Yeah. That's probably my number one. My wife and I love traveling. So we try to get out as much as we can to, to, and just create experiences for our kids. That's really what it comes down to. There's so much value in travel. Like I just, there, there's so many things, just inspirational and outlets and then just culture and food and cuisine. And I mean, just so many things, you know, that go into it, which is super valuable, especially memories with the family. We, we alternate our Christmases. So one Christmas we'll do a traditional gifts, you know, a Christmas tree, all that. Then the other one we'll do an experience. We'll do a vacation. That's awesome. So like, so like two years ago, we got annual passes to Disneyland 
for our, our three kids. And for all of 2022, we, we were going probably once a month, every other month. We probably <laughs> went eight to nine times to Disneyland and just created so many memories with our kids. And that that's what they're going to remember. They're not going to remember the things we bought. They're never going to remember the stuff. Trust me. I have six kids. I know how that goes. You know, the memories <laughs> are what they remember or, or, or really are the more value. Um, so for those that want to connect with you, Dallin, and I appreciate you making time today. You've been su- super valuable for our listeners. Those that want to contact you, invest, you know, be part of the fund as well as just follow you and the education you put out there. Where can they find you? Yeah. So education, just seeing what, what we're putting out there, where our biggest platform is probably Instagram. So if you go to at Rev Multifamily, R-E-V, Rev Multifamily, that's our handle. And we put out a lot of, a lot of content. Um, we do these weekly webinars so you could get access to those if you're interested in learning more from the Instagram. And if you want more of a general idea of just really who we are as a company, go to investwithrev.com. And that will show some of the previous projects. We also have free resources and PDFs on there that you could download. Uh, how we vet operators, how to read through a PPM. There's a lot of different tools and things that we put out there. So either Instagram at Rev Multifamily or go to investwithrev.com and always happy to jump on a, a short intro call just to see if there's any alignment there. There's a lot of times we don't move forward with people because we pick up in the first few minutes that what we have just isn't a good fit for them. And that's okay. At the end of the day, it's our job to get the message out there and, and connect with those that are aligned with our goals as a company. Well, Dallin, you've been incredible. I can't thank you enough for making time today for the friendship and uh, relationship we have. So thank you. Awesome, Brad. No, I, I really appreciate it. I, I love the questions and gave me a chance to reflect on stuff that I often overlook going through it. So uh, great job. And, and this has been an awesome experience. Thank you. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics, We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.